Hey, JCC fam. I'm glad that you're right here with me again. It's the last and final installation of Live From Victory. I hope that God has touched you somewhere. I hope that God has helped you in a situation. I hope that these words have translated you uh, to a new experience. And I hope that you're feeling that you can live the life that matters. Uh, we are in week number eight. Now, the series has been beautiful, has been, has been a blessing. And I want to just bring you to another level today. And this is like the big bang that I want to make as we're ending this series. So expect a lot of fire. Expect a lot of uh, encouraging things. Expect a lot of challenges uh, today. And if you got your Bibles, we are looking again in Revelation uh, chapter 21. And we are specifically focusing on verses 1 to 4 as we are contemplating the concluding remarks of live from victory. And the Word of God says, and I read in your hearing, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Today I want to talk about make room for the new. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Looks so good. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And that's good news today. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more, neither there be mourning, nor crying, no more pain, no pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Make room for the new. Uh, let us pray. Father God, speak to us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. First things wear out. How many of you have taken the second dose of the vaccine? I'm sure many of you have been vaccinated twice. You've been vaccinated with the booster shot. And the reason for that is that the first dose could last you three months. Uh, but this, after that, it wore out and you needed a second dose. And even the second dose wore out and after that you needed a booster shot. I tried to get my second dose uh, this week, but they told me I hadn't reached the eight week uh, threshold. So I have to come back next week uh, because first things wear out. A first love wears out. It's rare that our first love becomes our permanent love. Uh, many of your first girlfriends, many of your first kisses, many of your first uh, boyfriends are not your husbands today. And those are not the people you're looking to marry because first love wears out. A mouse that you're using to scroll and to click uh, can wear out. I had to replace my mouse uh, a few weeks ago uh, and because and, and it, it was no longer working. When I would click, it would jump. So it had worn out. Tires on the car can wear out. Uh, motivation, uh, energy for family, for church, for the things of God can wear out. And John seems to consolidate my preposition. He seems to agree with what I'm talking about this morning because in, in the first verse of this passage, he says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the First earth had passed away and there was no more sea. Uh, John seems to, to tell us that uh, the, the, the first creation of God, uh, that new earth, that, 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 that earth, that, that heaven that was created and, and which God had declared perfect had worn out. And in its place, a new heaven and a new earth had come out. 
In other words, the first heaven and the first earth had made room for the new heaven and the new earth. In this particular passage, John is giving us an eschatological picture of a reality that is on its way to us. I'll put it like this. It's what Jesus said when he said, I go to prepare a place for you. And so in this text, when John is saying a new heaven and a new earth is coming to pass, he's letting us know that the promises of God are coming to pass. Uh, In particular, he's saying uh, what Jesus declared is coming to pass. I don't know if somebody is listening to me this morning, but when God has said it, it's going to happen the way he has said it. Uh, Do not make the mistake of disbelieving unbelieving and double-checking or cross-checking the Word of God. You need to take it as the very essence of your life. You need to believe it as the thing that is going to take you to the next level. You need to look at it as gold that you can mine and enrich yourself. You need to look at it as a BMW, a luxury car that can take you places and it can move you around. When God has declared it, it will happen. And right here, John is letting us know that God had promised that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. God had made room for the new. It has happened now, and we can praise the name of the Lord for that. You see, God made the first heaven and the first earth unpolluted. He he made it unblemished. He made it immaculate. Uh, he made it special. It, it was good. And, and, and the reason why the first heaven and the first earth have to make room for a first, a new heaven and a new earth uh, is because sin came into the picture. Oh, you know what happened. Adam and Eve decided to eat the fruit. And when they ate the fruit, they introduced this dynamic called sin. And because of that, it polluted uh, the, the, the first heaven and the first earth. Sin is a pollutant. Sin affects everything. Sin sabotages everything. Sin destroys everything. I'm trying to convince somebody that sin is not a good thing. And if you're living in sin, you need to get out of sin because it is going to sabotage what good God has created. Do you know that when he created you, he said about you, you were very good. I know somebody has told you you are not good. I know somebody has put you down. I know you feel like nobody cares about you. I know that you're struggling, but please don't get it twisted. It's not because you are bad. That is why you're suffering those things. It's because of the virus of sin. The Omicron of sin is in your system and it's sabotaging you. It is destroying you. And somebody needs to listen to me today that you need to get it out of your system Because if you don't, it is going to sabotage you. It is going to destroy everything. And some of us are at that place. Perhaps you're wondering, Lord, why is my relationship not working out? I have news to let you know today. It is because of sin. Perhaps you are wondering how a unicorn has become scorned. It's because of sin. Perhaps you are wondering how something has started good and it's ending bad. Perhaps you're wondering why am I always in disputes and arguments? It is because of sin. Sin destroys everything. And some of us are trying to deal with symptoms. We are looking at self-help books on how to handle our money. Let me let you know that you don't need a self-help book to handle your money. You, you need to handle sin. It is what God declares to Cain when he says, Cain, sin is crouching at your door. But you must master it even though it desires to have you. And, and, and so you can understand, this is a dynamic that is existing among men and women. Uh, it, it's, it's this desire to want to take over the other. But God lets us know that we can master sin. 
and somebody this sin is crouching at your door and God is letting you know you must master it. Uh, don't let it take over your life because when it takes over your life, it is going to destroy you. So stop dealing with the symptoms in your life. Uh, start looking at the real situation and please get it, get it right. People are not your problem. You wrestle not against flesh and blood. You're wrestling against sin. You're wrestling against Satan. Uh, you're wrestling against his goons and uh, his crew. They are the ones who are trying to get you down. It is not your dictatorial father trying to bring you down. It is not your critical mother trying to bring you down. It is not the, the brother who never looks at you well who's trying to bring you down. They are not your problem. It's because in them there is a sin. It's because in them there is this disease. There is this virus and that's it. that is where the problem is. And so somebody needs to appreciate what I'm trying to let you know. Stop dealing with the symptoms. Go to the root. And the root is sin. And the first heaven and the first earth had to pass away. Not because they were not perfect, but they passed away because sin was real. You see, the first heaven and the first earth could not stand the tide of sin. Because as soon as they ate the fruit, you know what happened? Cain killed his brother. Abel's blood dripped into the ground. And the first heaven and the first earth could feel and drink that blood. And they could, could realize that, man, something is messed up with our, with our tenants. They're they, they, they not right. It didn't take long until everyone on earth had corrupted himself and God had to send a flood uh, to eradicate this thing called sin in, in, in people. But there was a group of eight people, Noah and his family, that were spared. Uh, but yet this group of eight people infected everybody and sin just kept on going and going because that's how sin works. It, it pollutes, it contaminates, it, it makes things look bad. Sin is like friction on the road. The more you run with it, the more it wears you out. And let's be real. Somebody today has been worn out by sin. Uh, you feel like your promises to God, your promises to be pure, your promises to give back, your promises to serve are like ropes of sand. But when you say, I'm not going to fall into temptation, you find temptation getting you again because sin operates and, and it moves like that. Uh, but praise God, <laughs> praise God this morning that the first earth, and the first heaven passed away. God is trying to let somebody know that sin can also pass away in your life. God is trying to let somebody know that it can also change in your life. And is there somebody here who's listening to me? Who knows the power of the passing away of sin in your life? Uh, you were uh, drunk, but now you are sober because you met Jesus. And he explained to you that your body is, is mine and you got to take care of it. And if you do not take care of it, cirrhosis of the river, liver is knocking at your door and so somebody said Jesus please rescue me and Jesus rescued you is hey, somebody listen to me who knows how God delivered you and passed away the the the, the works of of, of pornography and and, and 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 sexual sin and and God found a way to to wash you clean and and you are now free and and you're now free to express yourself and you are in in loving relationships you you don't look at, at people as objects for your pleasure but because God has delivered you I don't know if I'm speaking to somebody who knows how they were in chains of spending you didn't know how to save you you earned it to spend it but God helped you to understand and that the money is not yours. The money is mine. It is meant to be a blessing to you and to humanity. And now you're using your money correctly. You know how to save. You know how to control your spending. Is somebody listening to me who was at the verge and the, and the cusp of letting their relationship go. But God spoke to you and said, he who finds a husband, he who finds a wife has found a good thing. And you walk, you march back in and now you are in a happy relationship. I'm trying to help you to understand that there is good news in this text that when the first heaven and the first earth passes away, it means that our struggles, it means that our challenges, it means that our sin is also going to pass away. And that is good news today. And you can raise a hallelujah to God for that. 
You see, the, the, the verb pass away in the text, it, it means to, uh, to let go of something. It means to discontinue something. It means to stop using something. You see, when you change, when you change <clears throat> tires on a car, you don't put stones as replacements. You take out the worn out tires and then you put on new tires with a new tread. Are you understand what I'm saying? So when God makes something new, that's what he does. He does not get rid of the car. He does not get rid of the functionality of the tires. He just finds new ones to put on. John is trying to help us to see a beautiful truth that this new heaven and the new earth, they are not a replacement, but rather they are a quest for quality. Uh, let me put it like this. Uh, you see, making room for the new is not total replacement, but a quest for quality. And notice what happens in the text. A first heaven is replaced by a new heaven. A first earth is replaced by a new earth. We also understand in the text that there is no more sea. And then when you read verse 2, and I want to read it for you, it says like this, And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride at dawn for her husband. And so we have an old Jerusalem being replaced by a new Jerusalem. In fact, the institution of marriage is being used as, a, as, as, a, as an image of how beautiful this new Jerusalem is. And additionally, when you look at the word new in the Greek, it's very interesting because in the Greek, you have two words for new. You have neo and then you have kairos, kainos. Uh, neo means something fresh, but kairos, which is what is being used in this text, is beautiful. Allow me to, uh, to, to show you what it is. You see, uh, new, when we're talking about kainos, we're talking about something that is superior in kind or quality. It's not a new invention. It's just something that is superior in quality. It's superior in kind. So this first heaven and the first earth, they gave way to a superior heaven and a superior earth. Because when God makes something new, listen to me now, when God makes something new, he focuses on quality in what he has already uh, created. Ah, <laughs> He focuses on quality in what he has already created. God is not interested in recreating because God, I told you, never makes a mistake. Whatever God has created, whatever God has given you is perfect. It's pristine. It's unpolluted. It's undiluted. It's nice. It's, it's, it's perfect. But when he makes it again, he makes it new again. He just makes it of a higher quality. And so somebody may be wanting something new, but please understand your God is not interested in freshness or newness. Your God is interested in quality. And so you might say, you might want and you might pray, Lord, give me a new house. But God may tell you, you don't need a new house because a house you inhabit in, but a home inhabits you. A house is for space, but a home is something that works on your soul. I don't know if I'm speaking to somebody. So don't pray for a new house. Pray for God to give you a home. Pray for God to give your family. Pray for quality relationships in your home. Pray for a quality connection with your kids. Pray for a quality connection with your parents. Pray for quality connection with your brothers and sisters. And so God will tell you, you want a better home? I will give you that. But I'm not going to give you a space, a new space. Perhaps he may do that. But the question is, is that new thing going to give you quality? You see, somebody is interested in a new spouse today. 
but God ain't going to give you a new spouse. He's going to tell you that please work on making that new spouse quality. Invest in him or her. Make sure that she has new clothes and new shoes. Uh, make sure that if you see that she has a problem or he has a problem, you take it upon yourself to invest in her. Uh, a brother of mine shared with me, he was listening to a preacher and, and the preacher said that some uh, spouses complain about their spouses. Say, oh, you always wear uh, old clothes. And then the preacher says, well, that's your problem. What you need to do is to take her to H&M and buy her new clothes or him new clothes and you're going to be all right. So focusing on quality is what God is after today. Uh, God ain't going to give you somebody new. <laughs> the one that he gave you is the one that is good for you. Somebody wants the latest Zoom shoes. You want to be able to run around. Uh, but perhaps you don't need the latest Zoom shoes. What you need to do is to put on your old ones and get out and start running in SCBD or in Kuningan or in Bakasi or in Pick or in Tangarang or in Best Day, wherever it needs to be. Start doing something. Put quality into it. And I'm saying this to us because some of us are into new gadgets. Uh, we are into new things. We're into the latest, uh, the latest product. We're into the latest app. But the question is, that can be a change sometimes because sometimes the new things, we cannot really, really enjoy them. Are you understand what I'm saying? Uh, sometimes we're so focused on the new thing that we do not really, really enjoy it. Uh, perhaps you go and get your car cleaned at the car cleaners. And, and the beautiful thing I see in Indonesia, when you get your car clean, what they do is they put mats these paper mats in your car. But the thing is, the moment you step in and if your feet are dirty, guess what? That new mat becomes an old mat. As soon as you unbox that new iPhone, the unboxing is already old. The moment you drive out your car from the lot, it's already, it's already old. So somebody needs to stop chasing new, start chasing quality. Don't focus on what's new. Focus on quality. How can I make my phone a phone of quality? How can I make my shoes shoes of quality? How can I make my phone a phone of quality? Right now as I'm preaching to you, I'm using my phone to record. And I didn't know that I had this quality uh, feature in this phone that it can help me to record sermons. Uh, you can do many, many things. And some of us need to start exploring and looking carefully. We have a laptop, but all we use are two apps. Why not start using more of the apps so that your, your laptop can be of quality? Quality. Uh, yes, it's true that sometimes you need to get something new to give you better quality. But I'm simply saying that let us start to focus on the things that we have, putting more into them, getting the best out of them instead of chasing what's new. Because if you're simply chasing what's new, you never get to enjoy quality. And so God does not chase quality. And somebody then needs to chase quality work uh, quality health, uh, quality homes, quality jobs. Because when you focus on quality, guess what? You improve. You improve. But if you always focus on new things, you never improve. But when you focus on quality, what you do is you improve. And the beautiful thing that it, this will do is that it will create a delight in your heart. There'll be more peace and more freedom. It'll create delight in the hearts of those who are around you because they'll really see how you appreciate things and they'll, they'll learn from you. It'll create quality in the heart of God because it will show that you are interested in the things that is given to you. So please do not focus on, 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 on newness. Please focus on quality because only God only knows quality. God only knows quality. We, we talk about Abraham. Because Abraham had quality faith. <laughs> he had quality faith. He was able to leave his home with his family and everything he's owned. And he went to a place he didn't know and he never looked back. That's why we talk about Abraham because that was quality faith. When we talk about perseverance, nobody matches Job. Because he, is able, he was able to persevere when he lost everything in life. When we look at David, we see David fought uphill to defeat the Jebusites so that he could conquer Jerusalem. And God honored his quality victory by making it the seat of his government. When we look at wisdom, nobody is, is like Solomon because 
he was smart. He was, he was, he was amazing. He, he had spiritual influence or he had influence with the spiritual edge. And even the queen of Sheba came and looked at him, uh, but none beat the, the, the one with quality. And that's Jesus. He had quality righteousness. He had quality humility. He had quality healing. He had quality teaching. He had quality preaching. He had quality service. He, he had quality death. God is interested in quality. He, he wants us to be people of quality. He, he, he wants us to improve. He wants us to be all that we can be. And so if you're asking God, God, I want to make it new. You're asking the same thing. You're asking the right thing. And God is going to take you to those places if what you are after is quality. You see, small shifts can help you improve the quality in your life. Small shifts. Some people treat their cars like a trash can. They eat in them. They leave everything in them. Their shoes are in there. Sometimes I ask myself, hey, do you live in this car? Because practically everything is inside. But if you can make a small shift and stop eating in the car, you will notice that your car become cleaner and you can produce quality. You want a quality body? Perhaps make a shift from an elevator to steps. You want quality sleep? Perhaps make the shift from eating at 6 p.m., from eating at from 8 p.m. and start eating at 6 p.m. If we can make these small shifts in our lives, then I believe that you and I can achieve the quality that we need and we desire in our lives, and we can start to have new things, new perspectives, and new bodies, and new organizations, and new churches, and new spirits, new energies. If we can make small shifts, and let's stop chasing newness. Let's start chasing equality. You see, as I was looking at this text, I, I saw something beautiful of, of how God is able to make room for the new. Uh, when God is, is creating something new, He does it in a very interesting way. God will form something, then He'll feel it. You see, as you read this text in Revelation 21 verse 4, when it says, 21, 21 verse 1, forgive me, when it says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven had passed away and the first earth had passed away. Immediately you can, you can realize that John is talking about something that we already know. And one of the things I've been telling those who are joining Revelation University, our last class is next week on Wednesday. Those of you who are joining Revelation University, one of the things I've helped you to see that if you want to uncover Revelation, you will need to learn how to go back. You need to look back. Some of us don't like to look back. We, we just like to look forward. But if you want to appreciate Revelation, you need to know how to look back. Mean, meaning that you need to be able to go back to Revelate to, to the Old Testament. And, and right here, John wants us to look back. He wants us to look back at how God created the first heaven and the first earth. And how he did it was he formed it and then he filled it. On the first three days, God formed the light. He formed the ground. He formed the sea. He, he formed it. He prepared the environment. And then after forming it, God filled it. Ah, after he formed it, he filled it. He filled it with seas. He filled it with animals. He filled it with other things. Uh, and and, and penit, penit, ultimately, he filled it with human beings uh, because God first creates the environment before inhabitants. And that's a very important principle for us to understand today, that if we are going to make room for the new, we need to create the environment first before we inhabit the environment. So have you created the environment for peace? Have you created an environment for love? Have you created an environment for diligence? Have you created it? Have you formed it yet? Have you created an environment for you to be able to connect with people? Have you created an environment that the routine for the regiment that you're trying to get on? Have you put it in, in, in works that you will know when to get up? You will know when to exercise. Have you put the routine in place? 
Because unless you create, unless you form the environment, then you cannot actually fill it for it to be effective. And so God was helping me to understand that if I'm going to be successful, if I'm going to create room for the new, I will need to form before I fill. And this is how I function in how I prepare sermons. I first form an outline. I make the points. Boom, boom, boom. I put the introduction in place, the first point in place, the second point in place, the third point in place, and I put the conclusion and the appeal, and I know how it's going to flow out. I put my key point. I put my proposition. I put my purpose. I put everything there. And then after that, I sit on my computer, and then I start typing, and I start putting in illustrations. I start making the exposition uh, make sense. I start putting there proof of what I'm trying to say. And then after that, then I'm ready to stand up and to deliver the, the, the sermon and help somebody connect to Jesus. You see, if you want to make room for the new, you need to form it first, then feel it after. Many of us want it filled already, but I, allow me to let you know that God wants you to form it first. Uh, one of the things we do when we want to fill forms is that we look at the form and it has blank spaces. And what you and me need to do is to fill in the information. And as soon as we fill in the information, then we have the application. As soon as we fill in the information, then we have the vaccine application. As soon as we fill in the information, then we have the tickets ready. We will need to, to, to do, so we need to always work with the form first before we fill it first. Unless you do that, then it's not going to work well for you. And some of us want something already completed. We want something already done. No, no, no. If you want to make room for the new, you will need to work on forming it first and then filling it after. And the good thing is that God always gives us material to be able to work with. <laughs> material to be able to work with. Uh, again, follow the approach of God. You don't need a new thing. All you simply need to do is to focus on what you have and make it something of quality. And if you can think like that, then I believe that you are going to go on to the next level. And somebody then needs to do that. Make that plan for study. Uh, put it in place first before you study. You want to build a house? Count the cost first. You want to date? Make sure you know that you can do it. Uh, form the space. So that somebody else can come in. Because if you don't form the space, there can be no habitation. Some of you are wondering, why am I never able to read? Have you created a space for reading? Are we together? You're, you're trying to get stuff done, but have you created a space for it? It takes you to form the space in order for you to fill the space. And if you can do that, then I believe that you're going to make room for the new. And as I was musing over this text and just working it in my brain and in my mind, God helped me to see something that I've never seen before. And it really made me to appreciate what I'm trying to drop to you. You see, when God makes something new, he makes space for the new. He makes room for the new is because he's after quality residency. When you look at verse three and four, uh, we hear a voice from the throne. Who this voice is, we don't know. It could be God. Or it could be one of the angels, one of the seraphims could could have been. We don't know. It could have been a Gabriel, but a voice from the throne comes out. And this is what the voice says. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be their God. God, aren't you glad that God is not a CEO? Aren't you glad that God is not a VIP? Aren't you glad that God is not a president? God is interested in getting down with us. God is interested in connecting with us. And the reason why the first heaven had to give way to a new heaven, the reason why the first earth had to give away to a new earth is because God is saying, I want to be a part of you. 
It has always been God's ideal. It has always been God's craving and God's desire to dwell among his people. You see, God has never wanted distance from you. God has never wanted you to pray to him. It was never his intention at the very, very beginning. He's always wanted to be among his people. It has always been his dream, but sin messed it up. At the very beginning, God was walking with Adam and Eve in the garden, in the garden, in the cool of the day. But Adam and Eve said, you know what, God, we value doing our thing more than your presence. And some of us are like Adam and Eve. We value doing our thing more than the presence of God. But I'm going to let you know that when you value your own thing, when you value your own priorities, when you value your own prosperity more than the presence of God, you always end up in trouble. You always give up more than what you bargain for. You always lose more. And so it was always God's desire at the very beginning. But you know what? God persisted and insisted. He says, you know what? I cannot be among my people because I'm going to destroy them. So I'm going to ask them to make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. And Moses uh, received the vision. He saw it clearly. And then he constructed this uh, tent of meeting, uh, the, the, the Moed, a place where people will come together with God. And it was right there in the, the, the book of Exodus. And we read about it in Leviticus. We read about it in Deuteronomy and Numbers. And the rest of the Old Testament is there. And it transitions from uh, a tent of meeting. It becomes a permanent structure in the temple built by Solomon, and then the second temple structure was already was also rebuilt when the first one built by Solomon was destroyed because God's insistence and persistence to be among us uh, was was still there legitimately, but people didn't appreciate it. The Israelites didn't appreciate it because they often turned away from God. They often wanted to do their own thing. They didn't really really care about God's presence and God's power and God's grace. But God still persisted, and He insisted. And so the word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory as the, the only one begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And Jesus walked the streets of Palestine. Aren't you glad? Jesus walked the streets of earth. Aren't you glad? Jesus became a boy. Aren't you glad? Jesus became a man and he walked the streets of Palestine. And he declared that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good tidings, to relieve the, those who have been chained and to liberate those who are in captivity. And he went around doing good. He went around healing people because God was saying, I I want to be among you. I want to be a resident among you. And I'm glad this morning that in spite of my sin, in spite of my shame, in spite of my struggle, one of the days when I feel like I'm the worst of sinners, uh, like Paul, when I feel like I'm, I'm the chief of sinners, uh, like Paul, when I feel like I've been wanting to destroy other people, God still wants to be among me. He wants to still dwell among me, uh, with me and be around me. And uh, sometimes if you mess around with me, I want to take my step from you. But God never says I want to back away from you. God is always there. He always wants to be with us. And that's why Jesus said, Lord, I'm with you always, uh, even until the end of the age. If you feel lonely right now, let me let you know that you are not alone. God is with you. And please remember, it's not how you feel that determines the reality of God. <laughs> It's not how you feel that determines the reality of God. It's the faith you have in God that determines his reality. Please believe me today that if you believe God is with you, if you know that God is with you, you ain't got to feel it for you to have it. Oh, yeah. But we trust our feelings more than faith in God. We trust what we can touch what we can see more than God. Uh, but the Bible is clear that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you want to have more faith, you need to believe what I'm telling you right now. Make it a part of your experience. And please believe me, God is going to take you to the next level. And so right here, the reason why the first heaven and the first earth had passed away is because God wanted to make room for his presence to be among us. And that is good news today. And for a long time, God has had to deal with temples and tents of meeting. God has had to veil himself in Jesus. He couldn't really fully reveal himself. God has had to send prophets. He has had to send apostles. God has had to send pastors. God has had to send books. God has had to send Christian movies. But God is tired of that. 
Because he wants free access with you and I. He doesn't want a protective glass. God is not interested in a mask. God is not interested in a face shield. God doesn't want jagajarakking. God wants to be near. And right here, we have a picture that there's coming a day, eschatologically real, that God is going to be among us. But we don't have to wait for the future. But right now, Jesus, through the Spirit, is right here. And we can walk with God. We can talk with God. Like Enoch, we can walk with God. Like Abraham, we can walk with God. Like Noah, we can walk with God. Like Joseph, we can walk with God. And you know how Joseph succeeded in Egypt? is because he made room in his life for God. And in whatever he did, he succeeded. The presence of God is everything. The presence of God is gold. The presence of God is diamond. I don't know what you're seeking today. I don't know what you're looking for today. But what you need is the presence of God. And right here, God is saying, can you make room for me in your life? <laughs> can you make room for me in your heart? Can you make room for me in your mind? Can you make room for me in your family? Can you make room for me? Because I want to dwell with you. <laughs> I want to be with you because I want to change your life. In verse 4, because room has been made for God's presence, we read beautiful words. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Amen, somebody. And death shall be no more. Neither shall, neither shall there be mourning. No crying. No pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. In other words, the former things have made room for the new things. And that only happens... When you make room for God. Look at the text again. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Yes, eschatologically this is going to happen. God is going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. But I want you to believe that God wants to start that process right now. Because when you can see that Jesus has died for you and is coming again. And that you're going to have a body like him. And you're going to reign and rule with Christ. I believe that your tears can start drying up right now. They have made you cry, I know. But please, look at Jesus. And when you look at Jesus, somehow the things of earth will grow strangely dim. I know the comments on Facebook are driving you nuts. And they're making you drop tears, but... Look at Jesus and he will start to wipe away those tears from your eyes. Somebody death has bit you. It has stung you. But the promise is that there will be no more death. And if you can start looking at Jesus a little bit closer, uh, you can start to smile because there will be no more death. No more dead people. No more dead relatives. No more dead, dead finances. No more dead relationships. Amen, somebody. <laughs> No more dead dreams. Start looking at Jesus. And you start to wipe away the death from your life. There shall be neither no more mourning, no, no more crying, no, no more pain. For the former things have passed away. God wants to wipe it away. Uh, God wants to make room in your life for new things, new dreams, uh, new desires. Uh, new plans, new things. Are you ready for this? Because that's what God wants to do for you. If you make room for him in your life. Yes, truly. The full realization of this text is going to happen when Jesus comes back. Uh, but today I want you to start getting a taste of heaven. When you look at verse 5, there's another voice that speaks. And this voice is not the voice coming from the throne. But this voice is coming from the one who is seated on the throne. 
And this is what he says, Behold, I am making all things new. Behold, I am making all things new. That's a declaration. That's, that's a promise. That's, that's God saying, I will make all things new. So you don't have the power to make all things new. You don't have the power to produce quality. You don't have the power to do it. But praise God that the power is in his hands. Praise God that he has a power to do it. And when you feel powerless to change, when you feel powerless to transform, when you feel powerless to revert, when you feel powerless to go back, when you feel powerless to forgive, when you feel powerless to say I'm sorry, when you feel powerless to clear your bills, when you feel powerless to have people you can believe in and trust in, look to God because he can make all things new and that is good news today. But you will need to make room for God. You will need to make room for his power. You will need to make room for his word. You will need to make room for his church. You will need to make room for his people. You will need to start changing how you behave. You need to start changing how you live. You need to say, you know what, Lord, I will trust what you say and I will follow your will. I will follow your way. It's not in me to do that. I don't want to do that thing. I don't want to follow that way, but God, I believe you can do it. I believe I can fly. I believe, <laughs> Lord, help my unbelief. I believe, Lord, that I can be a faithful Christian. I believe, Lord, that I can be faithful to my job. I can be faithful in little things. How I'll be faithful in telling the truth, no matter the consequences. Lord, I will believe in what I can be because you have said you are making all things new. And you may not feel new today, but God says, behold, I make all things new. The question is, are you going to make room to believe the word of God? You see, the reason I'm asking you to make room for God in your life and the reason I'm ending this series, Leave for Victory, on this point is because when you have made room for God in your life, then you don't need to, set, to search for victory or hunt for it. You don't need to go apply for it. You don't need to stand in line for it. It's right there with you because God is right there with you. And that's the good news today. So I don't know about you. I'm interested in the victory-filled life. I'm interested in going to the next level. And I'm going to make room for God in my life. And I want to talk to somebody right now. Start making room in your life. Start chasing quality. And stop chasing newness. Yes, those broken relationships. Make them quality relationships again. Start that. Your health that is breaking down. Figure out how you can become healthy again. Think about how you can be a quality teacher. In my case, how I can be a quality pastor and a quality leader. God hasn't called you for small things. God hasn't called you to be, to be little. God has called you to do great and awesome things. And today you need to make room for those things. And today I want to offer somebody an opportunity to, to make room for Jesus. Somebody today needs to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. You've never accepted him before, but today you need to do that. And I want to give you the opportunity to make room for Jesus, your true friend, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the one who is the bread of life the one who is light of the world, the one who is a good shepherd, the one who is the resurrection and the life, the one who is coming back soon, the one who has gone to prepare a place for you, the one who is Lord of Lords and King of Kings, the one who is the Lamb, the one who is the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the one who is the desire of ages and the rose of Sharon, the one who is the creation, the one who is the firstborn from the dead, the one who spoke and it stood and he makes it happen. The one who is the son of David. The one who is truly the branch of Israel. 
Jesus Christ. There's nobody like him. And if you accept him in your life today, understand that you are going to revolve and revolutionize your life. And somebody needs to make room for Jesus. And right here at Facts of Life Ministry and Jakarta Center Church, we believe in helping people make room for Jesus. Is that your wish? Is that your hope today? Please connect with us. And if not, uh, please connect to the closest Adventist church or uh, another Bible-believing uh, Christian uh, church, and they will help you connect to Jesus Christ. But we have our number on the screen, and right after this sermon, we're going to give you the details of how you connect. Uh, you can connect with us. And, and again, let me let you know the vision uh, for, for, for next year, and that we are going to schedule baptisms. And one of our first scheduled baptism is February this year, at the end of February, next year rather, we're going to have baptism and you can be a part of that. Let us prepare you. Let us get you ready for Jesus to come. Let us make room for Jesus for you. And today you can do that. Somebody needs to make room today. Is that you? Please bow your heads with me as we talk to God in prayer. Father God, we want to make room for you because you've made room for us. Father, thank you for your goodness, your kindness, and your love. It knows no bounds. It knows no heights. It knows no depths. And today we want to appreciate Jesus for his love and care. And we want to appreciate that you're going to make something new in us. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for your kindness. Thank you, Lord, for your love. This, Lord, I humbly ask and I pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you and take care of you. Did that word speak to you at a visceral level and you want to respond? Well, today you can do that. The number's on the screen at our JCC hotline number. Reach out to us and we'd be more than happy to help you to start a journey with God. And if the Lord has impressed your mind to contribute and to give, please do that as well on the number on the screen. And I want you to know that whatever you give, will help us to continue to talk about the love of Jesus and to help somebody get closer to him. May God bless you and look over you. I'm going to see you real soon. Take care.